Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, where we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices, as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in each week to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Now, here's your host. Welcome, everyone, to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. You know, collectively, as a society, we are currently experiencing many political, ecological, societal, and public health challenges. And at the same time, we have witnessed a relatively recent exponential growth in the integration of the practice of mindfulness into all of these arenas. And there's some discourse that questions the efficacy of bringing mindfulness right into the midst of these socio-political economic structures. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation today with mindfulness educator Cassie Schindler to dive a little deeper into this both ancient and modern practice of mindfulness and unpack some of what it is about mindfulness that might be just what we need right now as we collectively awaken to some of the greatest challenges we may have ever faced as a species. So without further ado, allow me to introduce Cassie Schindler. Cassie is trained in mindfulness-based stress reduction or MBSR certification through the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine, Healthcare and Society at UMass Medical Center. And she currently facilitates the eight-week MBSR course as well as her own corporate mindfulness programs to clients such as Apple, LinkedIn, and Yahoo. Cassie is a former 25 year Fortune 500 executive and healthy survivor of multiple sclerosis. Cassie knows personally the toxic impact of chronic stress on the nervous system, and she has made it her life's work to deliver potent wellness programs and coaching to community, non nonprofit, and corporate groups. And I personally know Cassie to be a skilled communicator, an empathic, embodied authentic and wise teacher and a very kind person. So welcome, Cassie, and thank you so much for being here with us today on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle, it's so wonderful to be here, and thank you for that wonderful intro. I so appreciate that. You know, this is one of the most exciting things that I do is um, talk about mindfulness. And uh, of course, since it's gotten to be a topic now that is more more and more familiar all the time, um, the audience gets larger and more curious. So thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. It is my pleasure. And I think, Cassie, a good place to begin is if you could talk a bit about your own personal journey with mindfulness, maybe when and why did you pursue this practice? Well, so let me say that I I had the benefit of actually learning meditation, which, as we all know, is a part of uh, mindfulness at a very young age. um, My siblings and I, after we lost our father pretty young uh, in life, we decided to uh, pull together and one brother suggested we learn TM meditation. So throughout 
my younger years, uh, 20s and 30s, um, I practiced uh, meditation, but kind of sporadically. And then um, in my, probably the height, I would say it was the height of my corporate career. Uh, I was 39 at that time, and I'm actually 59 now. Um, I um, was pushing, uh, pushing the envelope, burning the candle at both ends, however you want to describe that in my corporate and personal life. And my nervous system uh, wasn't going to take it anymore. So it gave me a pretty profound um, stopping point um, with what ended up being a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. And those in the audience, I think most people are familiar that that MS um, delivers exacerbations of the nervous system. And each time they come, unfortunately, they affect kind of a different area of the body, like it can leave you numb on certain parts of the body. It can leave you unable to um, maintain your balance, you know, a number of things. And those, um, those exacerbations might last, you know, up to a month before they would subside. And so the first uh, couple of years of um, after that diagnosis, I continued to work, albeit I changed my work uh, schedule just a little bit. But during that couple of years' time, I, I uh, much to the disappoint of, disappointment of my neurologist, made the decision, very personal decision, that I was going to forego um, medication and that I was going to pull that meditation out of my pocket and dust it off and use it in a very, very rigorous way. And on top of that meditation practice, I also added uh, research into all kinds of mind-body medicine. And I got so excited by the results, Rochelle, that I couldn't, I could no longer be quiet about it. And um, so I left my uh, big job in the city (laughs) and I decided to um, make mindfulness and mind-body healing um, the um, entree to everything that I would do. And so really for the last 15 years, but more so 10 years in a real dedicated way, I've been speaking and have holding retreats. I've taken all the training that I know you have too, to be um, an MBSR or mindfulness-based stress reduction instructor and educator. And then I've moved back into corporate America, but this time through a different doorway. So now I'm teaching in corporate America all of those things that I hope will bring tools to people that are pushing the envelope in the way that I was, uh, kind of ignoring the many signs that I was given. In fact, that's what I call MS now, many signs. Mm -hmm. Um, The many signs I was given to to slow down and to take good care of myself. So that's that's my journey. That's why I decided that this is um, a passion. And um, at this point, as you know, mindfulness is trending in a big way. And I, I tell people, I'm not out there teaching because of this trending in culture. I'm teaching because it mindfulness and meditation um, saved my life. And so I'm hoping that I can help others bring more balance to theirs. Mm, I feel very, my story resonates in many ways to yours as well. I feel very similarly about mindfulness and this 
the way you share saving your life. I feel very much that way as well. Um, I wonder if you could speak to what is mindfulness? I think uh, every time I hear it again, it helps me just reintegrate it. And I, I, through my own training of just loved um, just being exposed to, exposed to so many different ways of, of teaching and and hearing about mindfulness. And every time I, I hear it again, it's just sort of um, anchors me and grounds me a little bit more into, into what it is. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, sharing about what is mindfulness, that would be great. Oh, you know, Rochelle, it's, it's funny because I know in your path, too, um, there are so many definitions. And in fact, um, many times I ask audience or audiences or classes kind of what, what do they think mindfulness is? And it's all over the board, but there's so much confusion. I think it's a word that has become um, very generic and a lot of folks don't actually get the gist of what it means. So, you know, we have that traditional definition, this working definition that was uh, expressed by Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, who, you know, 30 years ago created the MBSR program at UMass. And I want to repeat that definition because I think it, wow, it's a packed little definition to be all in one little, a couple lines of type. Um, it's the awareness that arises from paying attention on purpose in a particular way in the present moment, suspending judgment. And that is like, when you think about (laughs) part of that, it's like, what? Uh, It kind of blows your mind because maybe even especially the non-judgment part of it because we're always judging everything from the moment we open our eyes in the morning till we close them at night. And in my definition, I like to make it as simple as I can when I'm educating about mindfulness. And I think mindfulness, yes, it is awareness. And what I think it really is, is waking up over and over again in each moment of your life, as many as you possibly can throughout the day, just waking up. Because, you know, I think most of us will admit that we spend most of our lives on autopilot. And when we're on autopilot, we're performing all of those many functions that we have to perform throughout our day, but we're not necessarily there in the moment. We're not necessarily paying attention. And when our minds wander Um, We tend to be um, really submersed in a world of um, rumination. A lot of that rumination um, is, you know, past thinking, uh, regret, um, things that are unfinished, do-overs. We can also be stuck in the world of worry and, and making up stories maybe about what's going to happen in the future. A lot of those stories, which, by the way, disrupt the present moment, never even come to pass. They never really come true. So for me, uh, the biggest goal, of, in a real secular sense, I think that mindfulness is about bringing yourself back to the present moment over and over and over again. Because unless you're pulling in baggage from the past or the future, this moment right here, it's usually pretty good <laughs> if, if we don't bring any toxins in to change it. So that's that's my 
um, definition is let's wake up. Let's not be asleep at the wheel. Um, Life is short. And so to gain as many of those moments back as we can allows us to actually live our lives more fully and maybe even in a way have a longer life. Mm. You know, it seems uh, like it might be a good time to share a, a bit about just to go a little bit deeper into the six stepping stones in um in your program that you um, are going to, you're actually, we'll talk about it a little bit more specifically to the retreat you're, you're going to be leading coming up in at the end of June. But I wonder if you could speak to mindfulness as it relates to the six stepping stones as you describe them. Yes. Um, well, I have a lot of reverence for this um, thing called mindfulness. And um, I think it stems from just being a practitioner for so many years. And, you know, this is not a 24-hour fix. Let's just face it. Um, this thing of mindfulness really um, has to grow, uh, maybe even over a lifetime. And and I created programs specifically um, for corporate America, really, because I teach the eight-week MBSR course. But the The programs that I've taught for Corporate America, I've needed to make them a bit more concise, a bit more condensed, and and definitely secular without losing the essence of what they are. And so I I wanted the six-module program that I teach called Mindful You, you as in university, uh, is something that I created and, and currently teach on the campuses of Apple in Cupertino, California. And and here are the modules. First of all, wake up and breathe. The second is get in your body. The third is come to your senses. The fourth module is called board the brain train. The fifth is called sit with it all. And then the last is called plug in and go. And these names, they're they're kind of catchy. They're in language that is simple and easy for people to understand. And uh, before we go to um, break, I just want to say that when I built this, this program, I took into account the learning intentions that are built into um, the mindfulness-based stress reduction program itself. So with the wake up and breathe, we're wanting to let people know that there are possibilities if they're feeling stuck in their lives. And then discovering embodiment is getting in your body. And then coming to your senses about observing what you can observe in life um, in the way of using your um, senses of sight and smell and sound and touch sensation to sit back and observe what's going on in the present moment and accept that that's what's here right now in learning about the um, the science behind the uh, whole practice of mindfulness and meditation, which is pretty robust. And then sitting in the midst of your life, no matter what's happening, and then plugging in everything you've learned so that you can go because we're not actually teaching anybody to sit in a corner or on top of a mountain in the Himalayas. <laughs> we're asking <laughs> us to engage in our lives in a more mindful way. 
That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I, I really appreciate how you have taken your training in MBSR and made it meaningful to uh, to the population that you're working with in corporate America. And I wonder if we could speak a bit about um, why you think it's so important that mindfulness be integrated in this particular sector of society today. Well, on a personal level, I can see what um, my career um, asked of me or demanded of me. And and so when I look out into in, in the bigger picture and I see that just about everybody that I talk to, especially when I'm teaching in corp in the corporate environment, is suffering from the same types of symptoms. It's just that pressure that comes from having more on a to-do list that could possibly ac- be accomplished in a 24-hour period of time. Some of those hours are actually be supposed to be devoted to sleep, by the way. So when I look out there and I see that there are people that are sleep-deprived and that are so have so much anxiety in their lives just because of the sheer, sheer weight of, of what they have on their plates, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind, first of all, that this is a doorway to enter through into the corporate structure, but also um, that um, this is where people live most of their lives. And the fact that mindfulness is trending so much right now is, is there's no surprise, is that it, we, we are looking for tools and we're not necessarily finding it in the high tech world. We're finding it in these ancient cultures that brought us this simple art of watching our breath, being in the moment, closing our eyes, bringing some silence into our day, which all seems just a tad bit counterproductive, doesn't it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It sure does. I wonder if you could speak a little bit more about why, why you suppose mindfulness is trending so much today. Well, you know, you and I, we both have a story about um, wellness and how uh, something other than reading an article or being told in a book um, to take care of ourselves got our attention. And and I say to people sometimes, you know, I have the gift of having MS. It does not have me, however, because I, I live uh, virtually symptom-free. I'm pretty convinced that if I did not take control over those aspects of my life that I can inject wellness into that I would not be living symptom free. And I think so part of the reason that mindfulness is trending is that a lot of us are physically breaking down from those from that level of stress and anxiety that that we're living with on a daily basis. The National Institute of Health um, suggests that over 40 million Americans suffer from some degree of anxiety. Now, that statistic is actually over a year old, so unfortunately, I'm sure it has grown. But this is on a scale of, oh, I'm pretty stressed, all the way up to the point where we're reaching for some sort of a pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical drug in order to just help us cope with our lives. This is a really sad statistic, Rochelle. Mm -hmm. And and in in so much as we can learn something that is very simple and portable that's always with us, like 
coming to the present moment and practicing awareness as a means of, of bringing more wellness into our lives, we need to actually do that. We need to befriend those things that are a natural uh, remedy for us. So I think that's one of the reasons it's trending in a big way is that there are a lot of people that are suffering with mm-hmm. a lot of different sicknesses, autoimmune cancers and many sicknesses that are all exacerbated by stress. Yes, and you're speaking to, you know, how so many people are turning to, um, you know, pharmaceutical drugs, and and yet we can also speak to, I mean, in my experience, I was using, you know, just busyness helped me sort of cope with uh, the suffering food sugar, you know, processed foods, um, media. And I wonder if you could speak to this a little bit. Do you see this as well happening in your... I do. I do. And in fact, um, if I, if you don't mind, I'd love to just throw in the title of a book that I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Telomere Effect. And it's by Elizabeth, um, Dr. Elizabeth Blackburn and her colleague, Alyssa Apple. And, um, and that book, brand new um, research done on telomeres, which are the caps on the ends of your DNA chromosomes. They, these uh, caps indicate the longevity of your life and they break down not only through the course of the lifetime with age, but they also break down by those very habits that you were just um, pointing to. Those habits of anesthetizing ourselves with any number of disempowering things like drugs and alcohol over um, periods of time and in excess, as well as foods that we reach for that just have no nutritional value for us whatsoever. Um, there's there's even um, the, some research that points to that even if we think we're doing something good for ourselves when we're exercising, the kind of exercise that we're doing and the severity of the exercise that we're performing may actually be hurting us. And so we, we're, we're also all experiencing this premature cellular aging. And, and what this, you know, this book is so, um, you know, it's such a wonderful read, but I mean, it's just multifaceted. So I point to it only because that it's a resource, but it's pointing to that those things that we've always known are good for us actually end up having a great deal to do with our longevity. And those things are um, appropriate hours of sleep and stress reduction, exercise and movement, and, um, and and certainly nutrition and social connectedness. So there's kind of a fabulous five that are so intuitive. We all know it. And yet we move away from or deny these things because we can't fit them into our day because we have so many priorities on the list that that are just um, consuming every moment of our day. And when we put off things like uh, taking a, a break for um, awareness of breath or a, med- a formal meditation practice or uh, an exercise program, when we put that off and say, oh, yeah, I'll get to that later, you know, after I finish this, this and this it gets pushed out to the point where it no longer fits in the day and then it just doesn't fit in any day. And and then 
we're unfortunately unhappy that we're not practicing good, healthy uh, routines and habits in our life. It's kind of a vicious cycle. And that's what I think brings up um, more anxiety and more stress in our in our lives. So we have to stop it somewhere. We have to put the brakes on and say, you know, this is the day that I'm going to start doing something small. But something small is actually something significant when it comes to taking care of yourself. You know, I I think one of the things that I... I got one of the more profound aspects and what I still get with the practicing mindfulness and um, just with the training and the courses and retreats that I've taken is this permission to take care of myself. It's like a radical self-care and it's radical in the sense that it's goes against so much of the messages that we're getting from society. I wonder if that makes sense to you, Cassie. Oh, it does. Um, in fact, um, when when we walk into, um, I'm, I'm just going to point to corporate America again. When we walk into the doors of corporate America, we know that um, they would all like uh, to embrace wellness programs that show um, people how much uh, they care and they and they. Um, Mm, they're champions of them taking care of themselves. But in the same vein, there is this culture that exists that says, don't stop. Do not stop what you're doing because we have these deadlines, we have these projects, we have these initiatives. And so you can see where that's a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. And even when you have a program, and I'd love to speak more um, uh, about this in more detail, but when you have a program that you're promoting internally and people are afraid to actually take the time to uh, go into the room to take the mindfulness class because they're going to miss their work, um, you know, something is amiss. Mm-hmm. So so it's it's a hard pattern to break. And, of course, our culture consistently tells us that if you are not doing something that you are not productive and that is a big message that's being sent to people and unfortunately that doing gets in the way of just our being and our Mm -hmm. breathing and our taking care of ourselves so there's so there are so many reasons why um, this is trending not the least of which is that it is a new business that's booming for all kinds of folks to jump in and on the mindfulness bandwagon. And, oh, do I have some thoughts on that one as well. <laughs> that's wonderful, Cassie. Why don't we we uh, come back from, when we come back from break, if you can go into that, it would be wonderful. Uh, but before we go, I'd love to share a quote from Cassie's website. She says, what is mindfulness? Let's keep it simple. Mindfulness is awareness. It's the practice of redirecting your moment-to-moment attention to gain clarity and compassion before reaction. In personal and professional life, mindfulness plays a critical role in stress reduction, emotional regulation, social intelligence, and wellness. How much time do you spend rehashing the past and rehearsing the future? So little of our precious time is spent in the now. Take this moment to do a mindful check-in. Check into your body and mind. How do you feel? What kind of thoughts are floating past? Allow whatever is in your present moment to just be without judgment. And you can connect with Cassie's work on her website at mindyourmoments.com. And we will be right back with Cassie Schindler. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. In these times of converging crisis, the world needs us now more than ever before. Revolutionary Wellness Magazine is devoted to amplifying inspiring voices, facing challenging realities head on, opening up new places of power, and inviting curiosity about the paths we might take toward personal, communal, and global health. The magazine aspires to help us become the change we wish to see in the world, co-creating the more beautiful world we know to be possible. Join us on this journey. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Our hosts are clinicians of mind and body medicine and lifestyle change. They are writers, activists, educators, and change agents. You can reach the show and our hosts at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, everyone. Before we dive back into our amazing conversation with Cassie, I want to let you know that I'll be teaching a non-credit eight-week MBSR course, that's Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, this fall at San Jose State University here in California that's open to the public. We are also developing a mindfulness-based healthcare practice uh, program that is slated to launch the summer of 2018. And if you're interested in learning more about either of these programs, you can email me directly. at rochelle.mclaughlin at sjsu.edu. We are also working on our next issue of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine with our featured contributing author, Dr. Bio Akomolafe, and contributions by other amazing individuals such as Dr. Frederick Apfel Marglin, Dangam Chandra Sekran, Rochelle Lamb, Les Jensen, and some other amazing individuals sharing their work with the world through this publication. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and you can find out more about that at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com. My guest today, Cassie Schindler, will be teaching a leading a retreat called Diving Deeply with Mindful You on June 30th to July 2nd this year at the gorgeous 1440 Multiversity here in Scotts Valley, California. And you can find out more at 1440.org. That's 1440.org or at Cassie's website, mindyourmoments.com. And Cassie will be sharing more about this event later in the show as well. So welcome back, Cassie. Thank you, Rochelle. Just before the break, you were just talking about just a cautionary tale about, um, you know, finding training, you know, even though we it's certainly mindfulness is trending today and there's an influx of mindfulness programs. If you could speak to us about kind of finding, um, you know, programs that are, um, you know, well done and things that we definitely want to plug into as we begin this journey. Absolutely. Well, so the first part um, that I'd like to address is that whenever we dive into uh, mindfulness, 
and there are people that are in on many points of, of, of that journey. Some people are already familiar with some mindful awareness practices and meditation. And some for some folks, it's just, you know, kind of their first step or dipping their toes in the water. And so the recognition that we're all out there um, is important to know because um, some folks are just so curious and not sure um, where to go for more um, information. But let me just say that there are different ways to enter um, into this world of mindfulness. It isn't um, a one size fits all. And so, um, Rochelle, you and I both both teach uh, a magnificent uh, course called Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. And it's an eight-week course that Rochelle teaches at the university level and I teach um, at the community level. And um, that eight-week course uh, really is is kind of these stepping stones or this foundation that builds upon itself that starts off with just the very basics of, you know, what is mindfulness, but begins to teach you immediately some of the formal practices that you can put in place. And of course, the MBSR program uh, comes from a very, very rich background of of research and um, well, the program is 30 years old and has grown exponentially. I think the current number of wellness institutions is something like 700 or 800 um, institutions throughout the United States that MBSR is taught in, not to mention uh, educational institutions and and hospitals and wellness centers. But maybe the eight-week course isn't the exact fit for some of us. And so, um, again, corporate America is beginning to open its doors and recognize that they need to find new ways to inspire the talent that they have within their organizations. They need to take care um, of their employees in ways that are more than just, oh, hey, this is let's quit smoking week. Not that that isn't helpful, but something that is more lasting. And so at the corporate level, what I'm seeing um, is a real influx because mindfulness has been in the news uh, so predominantly. It appears that many, many programs are emerging. And and when you refer, Rochelle, to a little word of caution, I'm going to say that there are very well-trained and certified instructors out in the world that are teaching mindfulness um, in all arenas, corporate, healthcare, and and, uh, community. And then there are also companies emerging that, surprisingly enough, do not actually have this type of uh, a solid foundation. Um, some of the teachers are not actually teachers that are certified, that are well-trained. Um, and I'm just going to say boldly that teaching and educating on the topic of mindfulness is much different than teaching someone um, to do sales. Although I'll say that if you were teaching sales and and had never done sales yourself, that would be questionable. (laughs) Um, But mindfulness, it it appears uh, there's just this flood of of folks coming into um, this arena. And so I'm just going to ask the audience whether you're finding a a course to take on your own um, or you're 
you're looking to develop a course within your corporation, I think it's extremely important to make sure that that company is very well credentialed. Um, This is a serious business. Uh, When we begin to reach inside people who are looking to um, heal themselves from any number of uh, imbalances they may be suffering from this is a huge uh, critical responsibility as an educator that we have. I hope you agree, Rochelle. Yes. That we must. This is a this is a business where we have to be very responsible, because people. This is this is um, this is what's going on in their minds and hearts that we're talking about, and so we have to be real careful how we approach it. So, having said that. There are so many different ways for people to practice. You can either take these multi-week courses, which gives you an opportunity to practice what you learn in between and then come back with questions or um, comments about what you've learned. Or there are digital apps that are available in any number of them, like will.com, uh, W-H-I-L, and Calm, and Headspace. And those all allow the user to use their device. I know it sounds a little bit um, you know, counterintuitive, but to use your device to actually listen to uh, recorded, guided uh, mindfulness meditations and so that you can be practicing kind of um, on the go and so there's so many different ways to approach um, this thing called mindfulness to see how deeply you might want to um, venture in but Rochelle I just was going to ask I'm, I'm sure that you have also encountered this challenge or maybe you feel like me like putting blinders on right now because you want to you so want this to stay uh, reverent in terms of teaching people this practice absolutely yes uh, you know and in fact I was going to um, speak talk to ask you this question is also is you know when I was just considering bringing mindfulness um, into my work as an occupational therapist and into healthcare you know of course that's been done uh, for many years with John Kabat-Zinn's program like you said it's been 30 years since he's been integrating this into healthcare uh, but I really s- took some time to consider bringing mindfulness into academia um, knowing that it's you know these systems can feel so oppressive and and you know can be sort of a part of such the the challenges that we are um, experiencing today and so I really sat with this um, you know the value and the efficacy of bringing mindfulness into this setting and the the thing that made me you know be okay with bringing it is that is the quality of the training that I received through UMass, as as I know you've received that training through UMass Medical School, the Center for Mindfulness as well. Um, it's just, uh, you know, like you said, there's a reverence with, you know, and a, and a care and um, is there, there's a way that it's taught that um, I felt comfortable that I could bring this into the setting and um, know that it could be of value and bring and um, be of value in this, you know, in this environment. I'm curious if you've had a similar experience with uh, bringing it into corporate America. 
Yes, and in fact, I I often thought of um, the two words corporate mindfulness as an oxymoron (laughs) because I I wasn't sure if those could coexist. But I'm happy to report that after spending three years uh, teaching actually MBSR, the eight-week course um, at Yahoo, and and also um, then the work that I've been doing for the last year um, at Apple, that that I I truly believe that that mindfulness education um, in corporate America, if done correctly, is a game changer. I feel that there is a cultural shift that is palpable. Now, here's one of the many challenges is this return on investment issue. Um, We always have to try to prove that if corporations are um, investing their money in this type of a wellness program that they're getting a return on those dollars. And it's kind of hard to quantify, but I, I wanted to share something I think is very interesting um, and really um, filled my heart um, throughout the years uh, with the mindfulness programs that I've run. I've, I've done some uh, pre and post Um, reporting, uh, self-reporting that's actually done by the students themselves. And one of those, um, one of that, those reports is actually a medical symptoms checklist, which is one of those daunting (laughs) lists of about a (laughs) hundred symptoms that one can have at any particular time from, you know, insomnia to nail biting to depression. And I won't go on because it's kind of depressing. Uh, But but we ask people to fill um, fill in this medical symptoms checklist at the beginning or before the eight-week uh, program begins and then at the end of the eight-week or the six-week program to report any symptoms that they may have been experiencing um, the month prior. And so I think what's really humbling to me is that these are very, very confidential forms to be filled out. And the reason that they're filled out is so that we can see and that students can see where um, where they felt weaknesses prior to the course and then maybe how that changed over the period of the eight weeks. But sometimes I'm witnessing these forms that have about 100 items on it that are certainly exacerbated by stress, maybe maybe as many as 40 items checked, if you can even believe that. Mm-hmm. And it's heartbreaking to me because I know that as I witness, um, you know, this classroom full of students in corporate America, I know that no one else can see what's under the hood. And I'm privy to something that no one else is. And that these employees and associates are walking into um, this establishment and being expected to perform at very high levels, and yet they're experiencing all of these emotional and physical imbalances at any given time. And this, to me, really speaks to, you know, why is mindfulness training so critical right now? Why is it so important? And and I want to say as a disclaimer, does this mean that mindfulness gets rid of MS and it gets rid of all of these ailments? No, not necessarily. But what it does is it gives us new coping mechanisms. It empowers us in ways that perhaps we begin to make decisions about our diets and change some things. We slow down a little bit. Um, we 
we we deliberately make make time for more sleep so that we're um, better rested. And I just have to say that the national um, the standard reduction in those symptoms um, from the from the Center for Mindfulness is about a 32 percent reduction in those self-reported symptoms. But at um, Yahoo, we actually were able to see a reduction of about 52 percent, and this, of course, was an average over all the classes. So if that doesn't point to ROI, I don't know what what does. Although you can't place a dollar amount exactly on that. Yeah, absolutely. So profound, such a profound message. I'm curious, what do you, what role do you see mindfulness taking in the future? And then if you could, I definitely want to have time for you to speak about Mindful You and your um, retreat that you have coming up. Yeah, you know, um, Rochelle, I I think that you know, having looked up close at what's happened with um, this, what people are calling this mindfulness revolution over the past, let's say, 10 years, um, not only has research just exploded, so now there's there's all of this science that is backing up what really happens um, in the brain when we meditate and what about when we repeat certain um, habits and how the the brain actually changes and and we're actually able to cultivate uh, less uh, of a reactive mode in our lives. Okay, because of all of that, I think that now we can't stop this forward motion. And so mindfulness is going to become more and more an accepted and a promoted part um, and an integrated part of our health care. And, and like we... You know, remember, it wasn't, you know, back in the 50s, it wasn't a very well accepted notion that we, you know, go and 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 become physically fit, that we jog, that we run, that we exercise. But now physical fitness, no one has any question that that is super important for overall health. And I see mindfulness being that um, it, you know, emotional fitness, and we know that we need it uh, just by just by virtue of the fact that so many people use stress, the word stress, in so many different ways. You know, they use it as a noun and they use it as a verb, and it's all to describe this state of mind that we're in. And so, I think we're reaching a tipping point where. In order to go forward, we have to come back a little bit, take a few steps back out of our lives and know that we do have a choice to take better care of ourselves. So, you know, now we're seeing, you know, we saw Anderson Cooper go and, you know, take a, an MBSR course and reported on 60 Minutes last year. And we've seen countless uh, covers of magazines, Newsweek and Time uh, included, and American Scientific covering the science of mindfulness. But now also we have magazines called Mindful and Breathe and Awake. And so I, there's no question that mindfulness is um, in our face. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and well, it should be because we have gotten to the point where um 
we have to take our own personal wellness back into our own hands. And we have to know that although there is a need for pharmaceutical drugs and surgeries and whatnot, we actually have an awful lot to say and do about our own state of wellness. And and so to the extent that science proves that to us, yay, uh, because then um, those naysayers will, will take a second look at this and say, seriously, just closing my eyes and following my breath in and out of my body does something that important? And the answer is yes. So it's going to become more and more prevalent. And I, I'm, I'm so happy to have begun on this journey uh, when I did, because I will be witness, and so many of us, I'm certainly not in this alone, uh, will be witness to this wave of wellness that we will all soon be swimming in, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I do, too. That's beautiful. And I think it would be a great time now, Cassie, to share about your Mindful You, the retreat that's coming up. Okay, this, you know, um, and thanks for letting me uh, express this, because I think that um, there's actually two different courses that have been developed. And although they have cutesy names, Mindful You, and then it's followed by a phase two course called Mindful Me, which is more about what mindfulness uh, in meditation does to your insights. Um, they're, they're actually very powerful. And, and like I mentioned earlier, um, this Mindful You has six distinct modules and I consider them to be progressive so that what you learn in the first module can be practiced and then what's laid right on top of that is another set of of learning and practices and um, what's ideally uh, how it's ideally presented is um, over a six-week period of time so that you have time to digest and practice in between but when I was um when I made this curriculum into something for 1440 Multiversity to look at, you know, it's not an option to have done it over, you know, a multi-week format. So um, we developed the course uh, to be delivered over a weekend. So this um, Mindful You six-module uh, training that's going to be coming at the end of June, in fact, June 30th through July 2nd, is going to give us the luxury of over a weekend, and as you mentioned, at this beautiful new campus for all about wellness um, in Scotts Valley, um, we'll have the luxury of being in that uh environment and then practicing module by module with periods in between for reflection and digestion of everything again we'll go through this idea of you know wake up and breathe so wake up in the midst of your life and get in your body so you're not just this head running around thinking and planning and rehearsing and rehashing but you're just there's some wholeness come that comes from being and getting in your body and then using your own senses to anchor your anchor yourself to this present moment that's what coming to your senses is really about and then learning some of the science behind um, what really supports these outcomes that that we're so eager to share about what mindfulness can do and then learning to sit with it all in the middle of life's 
craziness, we're not going to remove stress. We're going to learn skillful ways to work with what's already going to be there in our lives, and we just know it. And then to plug in and integrate what we've learned and to move forward in our lives and to keep practicing until this thing becomes um, as much of a habit as brushing your teeth in the morning. It's not something that you question, should I do it? It's just now going to become an intricate, intricate part of what you do each and every day in order to take care of yourself. So I, I look forward to being able to um, express um, the depth of the knowledge and the foundation and the ancient wisdom that kind of, you know, is the is is the foundation of this course in such a beautiful environment right down there outside of Silicon Valley. It's almost like two worlds meeting down there, to be quite honest with you. And so, I, yeah, so I'm, so I'm inviting people to check that out on my site and also check it out on the 1440 site. And if that's not the right fit for you, there, is ap- there are absolutely tons of programs that are just all about um, wellness in all its many forms. That's wonderful. And they can find that information on 1440.org. So it's 1440.org. Our guest for this enlightening conversation has been Cassie Schindler. Cassie is a 40-year practitioner of Eastern meditation and a skilled MBSR-trained mindfulness educator. With her company, The Alternate Path, Cassie offers an interesting set of solutions around self-insight, self-regulation, and stress management for community and corporate groups. And you can find out more about her work at mindyourmoments.com. And be sure to mark your calendars for her June 30th to June, excuse me, July 2nd retreat called Diving Deeply with Mindful You at the 1440 Multiversity Campus here in Scotts Valley, California. Thank you, dear Cassie, for being with us today on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, for devoting your one precious life to bringing the revolutionarily healing forces of mindfulness right into the midst of our complex corporate systems where it's so desperately needed today. Thank you so much much. Thank you, Rochelle, and thank you to all of your listeners. And I just wish that everyone will take care of themselves and be well. And to all of my listeners, tune in next week for my conversation with Dr. Frederick Apfel-Marglin as we explore the Integral Ecology Program at the Sachamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration. And we'll be talking about how when we embark on a journey to heal the earth, we also are healing ourselves. You can connect with us also on Facebook and Twitter at Revolution Well. It's such a pleasure to be here with you all on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Until next time, I'm Rochelle McLaughlin. May you be well, and may we all be well. Thank you for opening your heart and mind to new ways of seeing, to greater degrees of compassion, and to pathways to health for our world with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Join us next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. 